Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you and I hope you enjoy this episode. Awesome. All right. Well, John chapter 6, hopefully you opened up your, your Bibles, your Greek lexicons, your tablets, your desktops, Palm Pilots to John chapter 6. There's a lot happening in John 6, and that's going to be our text today. But Jesus has just done a bunch of miracles. He's dropping heaven on earth everywhere in this chapter, sort of a lot. You could spend you know, a 12-week series on John, John chapter 6. But uh, in John 6 alone, we see a bunch of things happening. And just to set this chapter up before we read our text this morning, which is going to be in verse 60, um, the chapter begins with Jesus feeding 5,000 which is a crazy miracle, incredible, amazing miracle. Um, and then in, uh, so that's in verse 1 through 15. And then in verse 16 through 21, he walks on water. And I don't know about you, but I've never seen you walk on water. I mean, it's pretty, pretty amazing. I've never walked on water apart from surfing, which I like to think is kind of similar, um, but not. And um, another incredible, famous miracle. Two miracles. And then in the midst of it, he begins to explain himself to the people that are following him, his disciples, the people that are there. And he starts to connect the natural with the spiritual. He starts to talk about, hey, yeah, there's bread that you just got because I fed 5,000, but I am the bread of life. He starts to connect all these things, and we begin to see all these amazing things happening, and the Jewish leaders are beginning to grumble. Uh, People are beginning to doubt. People are beginning to question, whoa, whoa, well, hang on a minute. I, I, was, I, I love the Disney ride you just did. But now you're talking about all this Old Testament scripture being fulfilled through you. So there's stuff happening. There's, it's fully loaded. And we get to verse 60, and it's what it says. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. See, it's this great tether between the two. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life, he says. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted by the Father. And verse 66, and this is kind of where we're going to zero in and hone in on this morning. Verse 66, after this, many, you can underline that word, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the 12, do you, go, do you want to go away as well? This is what I love about Jesus. This is what I love about our Savior. He doesn't mess around. Right. Like there's stuff happening. There's people walking the other way. In our human situation, what would we do? We'd be like freaking out. My ministry is going to water. People are leaving me. The crowds are going. But Jesus turns to his most secure, his core, his boys, and says, what do you want to do? Are you out as well? 
He doubles down. In verse 67, I love it. He says, so he said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? I love Peter. Look at his response. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Verse 69, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. I want to preach a message this morning. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. If you're not taking notes, you can write this down. I want to preach a message called No Turning Back. No Turning Back. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word this morning. Father, thank you that it breathes life into us. Thank you that it speaks to us always. It always comes through in our lives, Lord. Your word never returns void. Father, it's always got something for us. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place to come and minister God's word to us, to help us, to show us, to illuminate the path for us, to see all that you have ahead and right now. God, we thank you for Colonial Kids. Thank you that you're investing right now seeds of faith into the next generation. Thank you that their lives are going to be changed because of this very moment. And their lives will be forever changed because of what you're doing. Father, we thank you for Colonial Kids. Thank you that it's not just a glorified daycare of our church. But it's a leadership nursery, Father, for the kingdom of God. Father, thank you. That's what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen. Amen. John chapter 6 is fully loaded for us this morning. But here's a few thoughts from the text today. And I love as well, just as a pastoral word for you, but when we read the Bible on a Sunday, can I just encourage you, that's not where the full stop for you is. You should take your Bible and then tomorrow open it up again. Crazy, right? But you should take this and you should marinate it and you should live it and you should breathe it and you should make it everything. Because what happens on a Sunday is I believe God gives us a word, Jill and I, we, we, we come and we give a word. We release, we, we, we exhale what we believe God has given us. But what you've got to do is you've got to take it and then just let it just flood your life. Okay, that was just a bonus for you. But there's miracles happening here in John 6. But there's also John recounting some defining words about Jesus and who he is. This is not a synoptic gospel. It's not like the other gospels. It's different. John is imploring to us today. He's saying things to us. This is who Jesus is. This is what he did. But this is who he is. He's not just here for a social gathering. He's not just here to bring some life to what was a pretty dull party. Like... PSA today, Jesus is not our atmosphere guy. See, what we do 2020 is we kind of make Jesus who we want Jesus to be. We we make him who we want him to be. So, So a lot of us, we like the cuddly Jesus. You know, the nice, cuddly, warm Jesus. He's just good to be near and let us warm our lives up with cuddly Jesus. That's not exactly it. It's part of it. But the Bible talks about Jesus also coming with a sword. Jesus also standing up for the disenfranchised. Jesus also standing in the gap for you. And John is trying to help us understand that there's more to Jesus than just some cool things he did. 
He's more than the atmosphere guy. He's more than the social worker. He's more than even the miracle worker. He's the son of God. See, in, verse, uh, sorry, in John chapter 6, he also delivers the great I am statements. And this is like, for us, maybe we don't necessarily recognize the depth of that, but to the Jewish people, the people that knew the Old Testament, that was their Bible, this was a game changer. This was connecting Yahweh to Jesus. This was taking the connection between what they knew and what they were seeing and putting them together. And Jesus is saying, here I am. I'm right here, the I am statements. I am the bread of life. You can go away and read the rest of them. But there's miracles present. But you know what's really present here? Truth. Truth. And here's the thing about truth today. Truth is confronting. Truth will always be confronting. Why? Because it's truth. You know what's something that is noticeably absent from our culture and our world today? Truth. If truth sometimes rubs you up the wrong way, makes you sit up a little bit more straight, can I just encourage you? That's exactly what it's intended to do. See, truth in John chapter 6 is making real disciples here. It says that many turn back. And you could focus on the fact that people were turning away. This is what the Lord has showed me as I've meditated on this passage. He said, no, I wasn't, I wasn't getting rid of people. I was making true disciples. I was making people who really saw Jesus, who really understood the power of the Son of God in their life for themselves. Truth makes you stand tall or listen to it, not at all. Truth is often hard to listen to. Remember as a kid when you heard from your parents something that was true and you didn't like it I went I was there many times it's like yeah what you're saying is exactly right but I just don't want to hear it check out verse 60 it says when many of his disciples heard it look at it they said this is a hard saying who can listen to it listen to it in the message it says many among his disciples heard this and said this is tough teaching too tough to swallow see here's the truth it will make you sober up. Truth makes you notice it. In verse 47, if you wind back a few verses, it says, I'm telling you, this is what Jesus said, the most solemn and sober truth now. Whoever believes in me has real life, eternal life. I am the bread of life. See, truth is confronting. And if truth is confronting, that means that Jesus is confronting. It means that Jesus, his, his life, his words, his claims, his miracles, his actions, his death, burial, resurrection, it's confronting. But that's the point. The point is it's confronting. It's right up in front of us and we have to make a decision. We have to decide what are we going to do. Jesus is the ultimate confrontational person of our lives. That's our saviour. But sometimes we just think, oh, I just want cuddly Jesus who will just cuddle me when I have my thing going on and I have my skewed thinking or theology and cuddly Jesus is just going to be accepting and good with that. But that's not the Jesus we read about in John. Jesus is truth. 
I'll show you the passages in 1 Peter 2. Peter's uh, uh, encouraging the Jews. He's, he's trying to help them. He says, so put away all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk. It's truth. That by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Verse 4, he shows how to do it. It says, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men. Again, truth will be rejected by men. But in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, here it comes, Behold, I am laying a, in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe... The stone that the builders rejected has become the, the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word of God. So here's a bunch of everyday people witnessing the goodness of God. And this is what happens. They're confronted with truth. Truth is Jesus and Jesus is the, the stumbling stone, the rock of offense, but also the cornerstone. So here's the choice. Either you build your life on that stone you build your life on the cornerstone. It becomes your firm foundation. It becomes your very good thing. It becomes your steadfastness in life and for eternity. And you build your life on that or you don't and you spend the rest of your life stumbling through life, stumbling through everything else, trying to figure it out on your own. That's what this passage means. You either choose to build your life on Jesus or you're gonna spend the rest of your days trying to figure it out, stumbling through life. trying to figure out what the truth is because truth is confronting. So number one this morning, what can we draw out from the text? I want you to write this down. Number one, it's good to see the miracle. It's good to see the miracle. I'm not downplaying for a moment the miracle. It's good to see the miracles because Jesus does miracles. That's what he does. It's his life. It's what, he, it's what he does when he was here on earth. He just did miracles all the time. You know the, the passage of Scripture where he talks about how a prophet is not without honor, you know, except for within his hometown. Even in that scenario, Jesus is still doing miracles. You've got to read the passage, but basically he's going around. He said, yeah, I can't do any major miracles, but here's, you know, a few things on the side for you. That would, that would equal revival in our nation right now. <laughs> it's good to see the miracle. Everywhere we went, miracles, they just happened. I love it if you could write this down, and maybe you've never heard this before, but it's true. Miracles are just part of the family business. If you're a son or daughter of the Most High and you are being brought up in the ways of the Father, Jesus is just displaying for you and me what God does. It's the family business. And you're being trained up in the family business. Congratulations. You're a trainee. Learning the family business, it's just part of what God does. Yeah. I mean, you think about what miracles, the miracles of Jesus' ministry here on earth were all about. Wherever death was present, life walked in. Those who couldn't walk, they got up. Those who were blind, they could see. Those who were poor in spirit, they were lifted high. And those who were dead, they came alive. It's good to see the miracle. The miracle certainly is a good thing. I think about Acts 16, Paul and Silas. 
singing away in the prison. I was reading in one translation, it said that all the other prisoners thought they were crazy. I love that. They're in there, it's midnight, they're singing away, singing hymns, worshiping Jesus, probably with their arms open wide, just loving the fact they're serving God. They're in a prison. Everyone thinks they're crazy, and then the miracle happens. The earthquake happens, the doors bust open, you know, people are freaking out, the jail is about to end his life. And Paul says, no, 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 don't. We're all here. We're all here. And so what looked like a death moment, what looked like the greatest negative ever for that jailer, what looked like a situation that was going nowhere, all of a sudden the text says not only did the jailer get saved, it says his entire family turned to God. The miracle was a good thing. It's good to see the miracle. The miracle is a good thing, can produce good things. It's a great sign. Miracles are part of the kingdom of heaven manifesting here on earth. But here's the point. They are just meant to show you how good God is. Signs and wonders. I love the way Bill Johnson says it's just they're signs that just make you wonder. They make you wonder and stand back in awe and just think, oh my gosh, Lord, you're so good. God, you're so incredible. I just can't believe that you are just so good. While someone in he, up over here to my periphery has just gotten up and they were dead and now they're alive. My focus isn't on, oh my goodness, like the biology and the, 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 the incredible diagnosis and the doctors. And, and that's not the point. The point is for us to set our gaze on heaven and the goodness of God. But it's good to see the miracle. They, you know, the world says that seeing is believing. You know, when it comes to faith, like faith, Nathan Finocchio said like, a few weeks ago, It's not seeing that's believing, it's hearing that's believing. It's the Word of God that helps us believe. But the miracles are important. So number one, it's good to see the miracle. Number two, write this down, it's better to see Him. Oh, it's good to see the miracle. But I'll tell you what's better than that, seeing Jesus for yourself. Witnessing the goodness of God for your own life getting a revelation of the goodness of God and the fact that Jesus has saved your soul and once you were dead and now you're alive and everything was like going that way at one point in my life and it's like, man, I don't know what's going on and then all of a sudden I have an encounter with Jesus and everything's changed. And I'm on to a glorious future. Yeah, eternity awaits ahead, but for now, man, I'm saved. God is good. See, it's good to see the miracle, friend, but can I just encourage you today, it's better to see him. It's better to see Jesus because the miracles, they may come, they may not. doesn't matter. I'm going to say that again because that was good preaching. <laughs> the miracles may come or they may not. See, I might not see the miracles. I might, but I've seen him. It's better to see him. If you see the miracle, awesome. You get to see the sign, but just don't forget to look for the sign maker. Seeing the miracles is great, and I'm believing for that in our church. And we've seen miracles already. And we're going to continue to pray for miracles. And I'm believing to see crazy, amazing things. But I never want them to get in the way of me seeing Him. And seeing the goodness of God for myself. And never losing sight of the beauty of Jesus. It reminds me of the conversion story of Saul. In Acts 22, he gets a chance to speak to his accusers and everyone who's listening right there. He just tells his own story. 
He tells his own story. He says, I've, I've arrived on the outskirts of Damascus about noon. This is Saul telling his story. This is Paul actually telling his story. He said, a blinding light blazed out the skies and I fell to the ground. Dazed, I heard a voice, Saul, Saul, why are you, about to get, why are you out to get me? Who are you, master, I asked. He said, I am Jesus of Nazarene, the one you're hunting down. My companions saw the light, but they never heard the conversation. Then I said, what do I do now, master? He said, get on your feet and enter enter Damascus. There you'll be told everything that's been set out for you to do. So as we entered Damascus, but nothing like the entrance I had planned, I was blind as a bat and my companions had to lead me in by the hand. And that's when I met Ananias, a man with sterling reputation and observing the laws. The Jewish community in Damascus is unanimous on that score. He came and he put his arm on my shoulder. Look up, he said. I looked and I found myself looking right into his eyes. I could see again. Verse 14, then he said, the God of our ancestors has handpicked you to be briefed on his plan of action. Look at these words. You've actually seen the righteous innocent. And heard him speak. You are to be a key witness to everyone you meet of what you've seen and heard. So what are you waiting for? Get up. Get yourself baptized, scrubbed clean of those sins and personally acquainted with God. See, Paul could say this, I've seen, I've heard, and now I'm a witness. In other words, everything's changed. In other words, there was a time when I was persecuting the Christians. There was a time when I was burning things down. There was a time when I was trying to put Christians into jail and I was trying to, I was interrogating and terrorizing the Christians. But then I saw Jesus and I heard him speak and then everything changed. And listen to me, friend, there was no turning back. You know, I was 19 when I got saved and there was no logical, natural reason for me to put my faith in Jesus Christ. There was no logical, natural reason for me to turn away from my old life and put all of my attention on Him. But I had a revelation of who Jesus is. In a moment, I encountered Jesus for myself. And then there was no turning back. And occasionally I would look at the old way and I would look at the old things. I'll go a step further. I would look at the old parties and the old hangouts and the old relationships, the old desires and motives. And I'd always come back to this place of, I can't do it because I've seen Jesus. I can't go there because I've heard him speak. I am now a witness. Come on, have I got a witness this morning to the goodness of God in our lives? There is no turning back. This was the testimony of the Apostle Paul, and it can be your testimony today. This is the power of your witness, friend, and I'm speaking to someone this morning. What you've experienced will always matter more than what others say. What you've personally experienced will always matter more to you than what someone will try to disprove, what someone will try to argue, what someone will try to throw into your face. It's good to be a witness of the miracle, but it's better to be a witness of Him. Say, God, I just, wow. There's no turning back. 
It doesn't matter what life looks like. It doesn't matter if you do another miracle. It doesn't matter if, if, if there's a big song and a dance or there's nothing at all. If I have you, I have everything. This is what John chapter 6 is about. Team, you can join me. I want you to think for a moment, you know, the Old Testament people, the God's people, the Jews, they were delivered from Egypt through signs and wonders. Like, I don't know about you, but walking through a parted Red Sea, dead, done. Could you imagine? But it was those very same people that saw those miracles, listen to me, friend, that Scripture says they died in the wilderness of unbelief. It's better to see Him. Because when you see Him, there is no turning back. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what the challenges are. It doesn't matter what you encounter, how tough the season is. You have Jesus. You have seen Him. You have heard Him. Everything is different. And we see it in Peter's response. Let me read it to you, and then I'm going to pray for some people. Peter didn't miss it. I love Peter. Oh, I love Peter because he just gives me so much hope. He was so messed up, so many problems, so all over the place, just a roller coaster of humanity, and that should give us all hope today. But Peter's response was incredible. You know, Peter had a revelation of who Jesus was, as the, not just the one who did the miracles, but as the Son of God. Verse 66, look at what it says. It says, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life and we have believed and we have come to know that you are the Holy One. I love this response. He says, yeah, there's probably all kinds of stuff going on, but Jesus, where else are we going to go? What else are we going to do? Are you serious right now? You have the words of eternal life. It doesn't matter what comes. It doesn't matter what happens. You are Jesus. What else is there? But faith in Jesus Christ. I'm preaching the truth this morning and shaming the devil. There's no turning back pandemic or not, I feel like this is a time where it would be so easy to slide away. It would, be, it would be so easy to draw back. It would be so easy to just be like, ah, oh, you know, whatever, I'll catch it on my phone this week. Can I just encourage you? Your calling, your faith in Jesus, the fact that you have seen Him is too important. You need to be focused on Jesus right now. There's no turning back. Pandemic or not, whatever comes, there's no turning back. Would you stand with me? Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you and empowered you in all that God's got for you. Why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it. We'd love for you to also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed.